Hey cuties, welcome to Cup of Joy the podcast, created to jumpstart your joy, supersize your soul, and provide a sweet space for your own personal growth. I'm your host, Heidi B, certified food and body coach, life coach, personal trainer, and owner of Joyfully Bee, where I'm obsessed with helping people win the food and body battle and reclaim their joy. I'll share with you stories of people who have shifted their junk to joy and struggles into celebrations to live a life that they love. Each episode is guaranteed to light and lift you up. Because on this show, we'll talk truth about topics that block us from living our best life, how to make your body your bestie, and tons of tasty tidbits to make your own cup of joy overflow. Believe it or not, I once lost my joy, but now it's back, and I'm here to help you find yours on the daily. As my mama bee always says, it's time to put a smile on your face and joy in your heart. Ready to start? Let's jam. All right. Hey, Ashley, how are you? Hey, Heidi. I am great. How about you? Amazing. You guys, today I have my dear friend, Ashley Rich. That's right. The rich woman over here. Um, And she is an emotional strength and resilience coach. Holy smokes, Ash. Tell us, what is is an emotional strength and resilience coach? So I help people who feel like they've been depressed or disconnected or anxious for whatever amount of time, help them really connect into their bodies and begin to feel better, honestly. That is so beautiful. (laughs) It sounds so basic, but it's literally something that everybody struggles with, which is why it's so necessary in our world. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the rates of depression out there these days are so high. And I truly believe that it is all, it all comes from being disconnected from yourself, from your body. A hundred and ten percent. And today we're going to jam on such a great topic. And I just want to thank you in advance for being so vulnerable. It's not easy to talk about some of these topics, but I know that this message with you is going to resonate with so many of our perfectionists out there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. The, the... Perfectionism is so real, and I know that you mentioned you've been a recovering perfectionist for years, as have I. So let's talk a little bit about this. Tell us our tell us your perfectionist story. My perfectionist story. Well, it starts a long, long time ago, far away <laughs> land called Whitefish, Montana, where I grew up, and I always felt like I needed to be performing in order to basically get love. Mm. Um, I am very self-motivated and self-driven to get love, or to get love. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly the problem. Um, It's not a problem, it's just a challenge. Uh, I was a very performative little kid. Like, I just loved being in front of people. I loved making people laugh. I was always the child at the adult table. Ah. Like there was a kid table and the adult table and I was always at the adult table because I wanted in on those good conversations. Those good juicy conversations. Yeah, it just, I guess that leads me to, in my evolution, it felt like I always had to be the adult and I always had to be perfect. Mm. And I just felt like I was responsible for, like, making my parents smile, Mm. pretty much. Like, 
I would come in and crack the joke or, you know, say something witty or just be positive and uplifting and people vibe off that. And I would actually be able to shift the vibration of my family unit by like being a ham and being super cheesy. So, um, the, it, perfectionism really does come hand in hand with people pleasing. Ooh, yes. Um, because the perfectionism is the mask of everything's perfect, therefore you have to love me. You have to accept me because I did everything 100% perfect. Yes. Whereas also people pleasing is I'm going to play into what this person wants in order to get them happy. So why, why do we do that? Why do we, why do we people please because we want to make people happy? Why do we fall into that? Because I fall into that trap often. I used to. Um, now I'm much more aware. But I think a lot of people out there fall into this trap of, oh, here I go again. Here I go again. I'm people pleasing. I'm people pleasing. I'll just make everybody else happy first. I mean, I think number one, it's the belief that you do need to make everyone happy first. The new belief needs to be that we need to make ourselves happy first. Mm. The happiness does not come, like our own happiness, it does not come from the happiness of anyone outside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So that's like really huge pivotal thing number one. Pivotal thing number two is where it comes from is just us wanting to be accepted at the deepest level. Like if you look back to our tribal history as humans, if you... Are we allowed to swear on this podcast? Yeah, go for it. Okay. The <laughs> <laughs> real if deal. We fuck, good, 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 good. So if we, like, fuck up with the tribe and something goes sideways on our end, that means we could possibly be excommunicated from the tribe and we will die. Hmm. So people-pleasing is an evolutionary survival mechanism. That's so like, true. It is. It is seated so deep in our reptilian brain. Like, it's at our brain stem, which is the oldest part of our brain. Yeah. So do you, do you think that this is this is also, and I know that we're going to get into this with your own personal story, but don't you think that maybe this is why a lot of people bully? Because they want to fit in, because they want to be in that popular crowd by putting other people down around them. It's a means of fitting in and staying part of the tribe. Yeah, I definitely do think it is part of that person's attempt to stay relevant, you know, to stay, like, in the popular group. But also, I think bullying comes from people who've been hurt, mm. you know? Like, hurt people hurt people. So, That's you know, so if my mom was an ass to me in the morning, like, that's the perspective and lens that, as a kid, I'm going to take with me into school. Yes. And so, do you think that that would lend me to making nice, kind comments to kids? Or do you think that would lend me to being, like, a little harder on everyone else? Oh, man. We learn so much from our upbringing and from our parents and the people around us. Can you talk a little bit about your story and, you know, um, how this perfectionism, people-pleasing part came from somewhat of your upbringing, somewhat of the parents? Yeah, so, I mean, my family was pretty unstable growing up. I don't think they would mind me mentioning this. Mm -hmm. uh, it's okay. They don't know your family. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Um, 
like they were just very they fought a lot my parents did and they were very verbal towards each other in not a kind way and so I mean this really pushed me to find stability Mm -hmm. basically like little kids need stability they need safety in the home and honestly like I don't think I had I had the felt sense of either of those just because of the constant turmoil that was going on in my home so what that led baby Ashley to do is to just use my physicality to get into situations that felt safe and solid and secure and where I could shine yes. you know, for being the per- person that I truly was, not the person that my mask said I was. Mm. So growing up, I was really big into the performative arts, such as ballet. I started dancing when I was probably two or three. I did everything from ballet to tap, jazz, hip-hop, lyrical. I mean, I was four. Come on, guys. Wow. Like, I'm doing, like, six different types of dance. Yeah. Wow. Dancing with the stars right here, folks. Hell yeah. (laughs) So, I basically whittled it down to only ballet, and I was on point by the time I was ten which is super freaking young. Like, they typically don't start anyone until 13 or 14. Um, But I had super, I was so strong because I was just, like, driven to these physical activities. Do ballerinas struggle with perfectionism? Because I feel like that is a very perfectionist sport. Like, must be on point. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think we all know the, the stereotype of the ballet teacher with, like, a ruler in her hand, like, smacking the girl's butt to be, like, pushed under more, like, turn your toes out more, or just, like, your leg needs to be over your head. Yeah. Very unrealistic. I, I mean, and not that doesn't even start on the body image stuff. Like, that's just the, like, physical mechanism. Mm-hmm. that you dance with like mm-hmm. um so fortunately I did not have as much body dysmorphia in the studio as I think people in bigger towns and cities did my town was only 4,000 people when I was growing up so it was a, a very small class and we had one teacher who was I mean she was brilliant and she was not a perfectionist I wouldn't say But she did push me to be the best version of myself, which felt really good in that time because it was structure, but it was loving structure, and and I could perform to meet that structure and be accepted in that time. Ooh, that's that's, that's right where it's at. I feel that. Yeah. That as long as I, if I do these things and I take these steps and I do it perfectly, then my teacher is going to validate me. I'm going to feel all this sense of accomplishment. Like I win. I am winning when I am perfect. Yeah. And so, I mean, figure skating is definitely an extension of that mentality. Like, I mean, you're not supposed to like mess up any moves in your program. You get that counted against you. Um, And it's just a very perfect, like everything has to be perfect. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I was a self-starter with it. Like, my parents didn't 
me to be a competitive figure skater. I just wanted to be. Mm. Um, like, even when I was, by the time I was 10, I had taught myself the first two jumps. Wow. Like, without a coach, without just asking my friends at the rink with, like, crappy skates, like, how do I do a wall jump? How do I do, you know, it's just a, a 180 jump. Like, it's not even a 360, but I wanted to do that. Like, yeah. I wanted that exhilaration. The need to achieve is what sounds like it was so big inside your being that that was actually more of a personality characteristic, the need to achieve. But then it evolved into perfectionism when you got all of the, that safe community, the friendships, the socialization, the things that you weren't receiving at home to, to its right. breadth. Um, you were probably receiving some of those things at home, but not to the level that you really needed to feel safe and secure and loved. And you were receiving yeah. that through skating groups and through your performances and also through ballet. So it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And like my parents would just light up when they saw me skate or dance. Like, you know, they had their own issues and they were just able to leave it behind mm. when they saw me perform like when they saw me perform I could feel them just like an exhale you know they were just so proud like their hearts were shining like their eyes were bright like there was no negativity really going around like they were just focused on me and happy to be there you know which is like maybe one of the only times where that was a thing. So when you did perform at your peak and they got to witness all of this unraveling, it's like you got to transport them out of their pain into your celebration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was just so good at performing. Like, I mean, just show, like the showcase, the showing the personality. Like, I was the Grinch for one of my performances when I was 14, like, so <laughs> dorky, I like, yeah, so, it just, it, I used it as a way to light people up, and it made me feel really good, it, you know, made me feel so connected to my body, I was transport, transported out of any problems that I had, like, I just felt freaking exhilarated on the ice, Oof. and on the dance floor, I love you know? that I love that you shared that that exhilaration, that energy, that momentum because I think that there's so much to be said for moving our bodies, our bodies in motion, and a lot of times people okay. use exercise and physical fitness as a means to punish their bodies. But when we're in this mode of just uh, self-love and serving and doing the things that we love doing that light us up, like your dancing, those types of movements, we're so alive and connected. And it's because we're in our bodies and not in our heads. So was this kind of an escape for you? Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So much so to the fact where I didn't even realize it until this year. I'm 31, y'all. Yeah. This happened, you know, 20 years ago. Mm. Um, But it just became so obvious and apparent to me that I was going to the skating rink so often because it felt so safe. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt so seen. I felt so heard. I felt so validated. Like, I could fuck up and no one would yell at me. Mm-hmm. Like, it would just be like, okay, try it again, you know? And that, like, deep level of acceptance for where I was at 
was not something that I had, had had experienced ever. Holy smokes, that what you just said of I won't get yelled at if I mess up. Seriously, yeah. that's I feel like that's really big for people. I know that that's really big for me is yeah. we learn wow. like don't screw up, don't screw up, don't screw up. And to hear it's okay if you mess up, you just get to try again. We need to be so yeah. much softer on ourselves. And you and I both learned this going through our coaching practice that perfectionism really comes from this scarcity mindset of I'm going to screw up. Nobody's going to like me anymore. I'm going to look stupid. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look not professional, whatever it is. And if I do I'm that, gonna I'm going to fail. Where I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail. I'm going to lose my friends. I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my relationship with my significant other. My kids aren't, whatever it is, our mind yeah. so quickly goes outside of us. And perfectionism yep. is totally in the brain, totally in the mind, yep. which is why it's so important that we get back into our bodies to heal our emotionality, which is everything that you do. It's that emotional strength and resiliency yep. coaching. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Starting with the strongest foundation of presence, honestly. Like, without presence, you can't. I mean, you can't change, shift and change anything you don't have awareness over. Oh. So. How do we, how do we shift into a state of presence so that we're not in this heady zone of perfectionism? uh, My favorite way is to literally just take three deep breaths in through your nose, out through your mouth, and feel your feet on the ground. I like that you said three deep breaths and feeling your feet on the ground. That's something that everybody can do. Anywhere, And I think a lot of times people think unless they take 30 to 60 minutes out to meditate, to scream, to whatever they to exercise, to do whatever they need to do to go to their therapist, unless I do those things that take time, I can't come into a state of presence. And it's just not true. You and I learned this, that three deep breaths. Close your eyes, three deep breaths, groundedness, sometimes not even. Sometimes I know that I'm in a meeting at work and I'm starting to feel that perfectionism creep in and trying to people please my team or my coworkers or executives and I have to go, whoa, before this goes any further, all I need to do is stop, breathe, feel into my body and be so present because when I'm in that state, I can actually decide on, make a decision based on my intuition, not just yeah. this heady, perfectionist, people-pleasing mode. Yeah, the feedback that your body is giving you points yeah. you in the direction that you want to go. Yeah, I love that. You yeah, were, you were sharing so um you were sharing a great book with me earlier. Um, can you talk about that that um energetic blocks and that yeah. book and the knee pain and all that? That was so good. Yeah, so I am obsessed with Louise Hay. So, have you ever heard of Hay House, Inc.? Yes. Where our lovely Sam Skelly has her book being published. Oh, yeah. Yes, Hay House. Yeah. So, Hay House originated from Louise Hay. She is, like, one of the first, like, personal development folks in the industry. And she was all about how the energy in your body those, if, if, it's blo- if the energy is blocked in your body, it can create dis-ease. Mm. So an energetic block, meaning the energy is no longer able to flow through your body in the way that it is 
normally meant in a healthy state, and those energy blockages lead to physical symptoms. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Do you guys, are you guys hearing this? This what? is like, this is huge. The energy blocks lead to physical symptoms. And so often we try yep. to self-diagnose on WebMD or go to running to our doctors to think like something's happening when really we are just out of alignment energetically and we need yeah, to come back into our bodies. The wrong thoughts. <laughs> yeah. We're literally thinking the wrong thoughts. Okay. Keep going. Keep yeah. going. Tell us about so, your, yeah. Yeah. Mine specifically is super interesting uh, because, so I was telling you about how I was a competitive figure skater for so long and I was so dedicated like I would go to the rink six days a week and then on my seventh day I would go skiing like mm. I grew up in Montana so I would go skiing on my rest day yep um so this was just like go 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 all the time and I like even if friends even if my best friend invited me to go to do something with her, I would say, no, sorry, like, I have to go to the rink, I have to go skating, I have to go train, like, whatever that looks like that day for me, like, I would put that as my priority over anything, Mm. because it felt so freaking good and safe, like, how could I give up my safety? Yes. But what I learned was that all that structure was leading to me being very inflexible, so what happened was my the first time I tore my ACL was when I was a sophomore in high school. So I was like 14 and a half, 15 years old, and I it was a skiing accident. I basically was just going down a run and went head over, ass over tea kettle, as they say, mm. <laughs> over heels, my ski whipped back, and my ACL snapped. Uh. Like, yeah. It was horrifying. Nothing, and I was an expert skier, you know, so it was very surprising. Um, and years later, going back to this book, I looked up, oh, what does knee injuries stand for? Okay, not only, sorry, let me back up. Not only did I tear my ACL that year, two years later, I tore my ACL. Two, like one year after that, I injured it again. Wow. So I have, I have had five knee surgeries total. One was a bone graft because one of them, one of, after one of the surgeries, the doctor had used a dissolvable screw, and Ooh. instead of the bone filling in the screw where the screw was, it just corroded the bone around the screw, and so my ACL had no anchor. So my ACL was like flapping around inside my knee with no anchor, and I was like walking skiing, sporting, like everything normal, and I ended up having to have two knee surgeries after that. One was a bone graft to fill in that corroded bone, and then eight weeks later, I had to get an ACL reconstruction. Oof. So this was all before the age of 22, by the way, um, so in six years, and after I got this book, I only have owned this book for like three years. But looking back, I look at knee injuries, and it says inflexibility hmm. as the energetic meaning behind this. Meaning that problem. you weren't being flexible in your lifestyle, meaning that, you know, going back to the friendship piece, your mindset was not flexible, is very set on, this is how it has to be to move forward. This is how it has to be perfect. 
Yeah. Like I have to be perfect in order to move forward, Oof. basically. Oof. And that translated yeah. into physical body ailments. Yeah. And it translated into knee injuries, like straight up. Yeah. And so then Louise Hay provides a healing mantra. So I forget what it is off the top of my head, but it's probably like everything is happening for me in perfect timing. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. It's choose what serves me right now. Like, not what served me this morning, not what served me at lunch, but served me right now. Yes. You know, and that is part of my my presence practice is dropping into my body, asking how I feel, and what do I need right now? Mm. And seriously, that has changed my life. Like, because it takes the emphasis off of the external and what do other people want me to do and it puts the view back on what do I want what do I need what does my inner child need right now you know what does my body need right now how have you seen your relationships over the past year shift taking that practice taking that into practice because I know a lot of people are still scared to release the people pleasing imperfectionism because that's their go-to. That's what's that's what's proven to work and keep them keep things sustainable for this long. Yeah. So how have you seen it shift in the sense that now there's evidence on the other side that's way better than being a perfectionist? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um so off the top of my head, I did release a very good friend Um, I would call her my best friend uh, earlier this fall um, because I found myself constantly catering to her. Mm. I'm like, what does she need? What does she need? What does she need? And it's like, no, God damn it. What do I need? Yes. I need someone who shows up for me. Yes. I deserve friends who care about me, show up for me, and love me like I about them show up for them and love them yes and did that work for you good did that work for you when you started showing up as the version of yourself that you appreciated and respected did those types of people start coming into your life yeah oh yeah um so it's been a slower thing um than i anticipated it because we did it move across the country no big deal um (laughs) like a month before i released this friend Mm-hmm. for my life. Um, but what I do know is that since then, in the last couple months, um, like I've started my own meetup group. So people are being attracted to me on a purely authentic level and I get to do the things that I want to do mm. and bring people along with me, which is so great because it's filling me up first. Yes. Like this is saying, like, I'm going to do this. If anyone wants to come, like, you're totally invited. You know? <laughs> she has great meetups, uh, by the way, too. So if you guys if you guys live in her right. state of Washington, <laughs> anywhere, please go to her meetups. They're epic. They're not your everyday meetups. Thanks. They're amazing. <laughs> yeah, I really strive to do things that are, like, out of the norm for people, which is easy because I'm a very outside-the-box kind of person. For sure. So, but, I, but I also not think... Not only that... Go ahead. But, like, the friendship with you that I've cultivated over the last couple months. So mm. powerful. Like, I have let myself open up 
to other people to support me. And those people are now stepping up. Yeah. Actually, like, checking in with me. How am I doing? Like, what's up with you? How's your energy been today? Yeah. Instead of me constantly reaching out to others, being like, how are you? What are you doing? What's up with you? Like, it feels nice to be on the other side of that. (laughs) For sure. And I know that one of my favorite things about you, and I tell you this all the time, is that you're just real. You're just the real deal. And I know now that that came from you doing the work accepting, you know, all the coaching practices and knowing that when we get to just be vulnerable and show up as who we really are, good, bad, all the things, happy, sad, silly, all the things, that we don't have to put on the masks of perfectionism and people-pleasing. And then when we do that, we don't have to fall into this um, dependency model where we have friendships that only survive on us being there for others, on us um, people-pleasing, because then there becomes that dependency model of, oh my gosh, I love this friend, she's amazing, but every time she shows up for me, she cares for me, she does something for me, 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 versus this is just my friend, this is how she shows up on every single day, I'm going to get the real deal every single day, every single way. And when we people-please, we're doing that person a disservice, and we're doing ourselves right. a disservice because they're getting a fake version of us. They're getting a different version yeah. of us. And then when we finally show up as the person that we really are, they're like, who the hell is that? Who's that girl? Yeah. I don't want that girl. I yeah. signed up for the other girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so true, man. I mean, I just, I put myself through hell with that particular friend, you know? Mm-hmm. And it just had ha- so happened that, we were both at our deepest, darkest points when we met all those years ago, Yeah, you know, and for a long time there, we were just keeping each other stuck in the struggle and addicted to the struggle and, oh, just what you're saying, like, when you're putting on a facade, you are attracting people from that facade. Yes. So those people that are in your life when you're in that mode or, you know, just attracted from that capacity, like are not going to serve your highest self. Mm. They're not going to be the best fit for you as a long-term friend. Yeah. Let's and and you guys tune into this real tight right here because I learned this the hard way. Um I've shared before in my junk to joy message, but it was the same thing in my friendships in my as it was in my romantic relationships, right? So the version of me that, that used to show up had a lot of people pleasing, had a lot of perfectionism, had a lot of this is what a wife is supposed to be, this is what a girlfriend's supposed to be. So those of you who are out there struggling with romantic relationships, ask yourself, am I being the fullest version of myself or am I being someone who's trying to people please so that that person likes me? Because I can tell you, I have the most fulfilling romantic relationship right now But that's because I finally decided to show up as the version of myself that I actually am. So so he fell in love with the version of me that actually is my highest self, that is my fullest self. So there's no, oh, where did that girl go? She used to do all these things for me. It's and that doesn't mean that I don't do nice things for him or or treat him well. I love doing things for him, but that's just because that's who I am now and I'm not trying to people please to make him stay with me. Does that make sense? Yeah. You're, you've already given yourself the love and acceptance that you need and want and can give to him from an overflowing cup, oh, essentially. 
Thank you for bringing that back to self. Yeah, because this Mm -hmm. is what you and I both coach on is giving Mm -hmm. yourself that internal fulfillment. And for Mm -hmm. you, it was that safe space, right? You were using the perfectionism Mm -hmm. and people pleasing to get back to the core need of safety. And we no longer need to Mm -hmm. do that when we find the tools um, and get the support that we need to create safety inside our own bodies, inside our own beings. Yeah, and I mean, it's so interesting what you were mentioning about the romantic relationships. I've been in my relationship for, it'll be eight years in January. We're recording this in end of November, so only a month away from our eight-year anniversary. I was 23 when I met him. Yeah. (laughs) Because we were friends for a year before we started dating. Mm -hmm. But I was more like myself back in those days, like right when we first met, and then I went into this very deep self-protective mode after I lost my dad in 2012. Mm. So he's seen, he's seen the Ashley sandwich go from functional to dysfunctional, depressed, protective mechanisms all over the place, like really in my head, to unraveled, untangled all of unraveled in the best way, untangling all of the beliefs and stories that have kept me from actually pursuing what I truly want in my life, which is to help people. That is so juicy and so good. And sometimes people have to see the whole, get to see the whole spectrum of us too. Like you said, you know, some person, one person can see all the sides of the spectrum. It's so beautiful that we're both on this other side of our journey where the self-awareness and internal structure is really, really transformed. It feels so good. And I just want everybody out there to know that we are doing that emotional exercise. We are doing the emotional work um, to make sure that this is long-term for us. And it feels so good. It does feel so good. Thank you for jamming on this with me today. This was such a great topic. My gosh, thank you for having me. I love, I love having you. you. And I know that this is going to sit so strongly with so many people. So tell us, what are you up to? Where can they find you? How can they work with you? All right. So I am available for coaching one-on-one right now. I offer a six-month coaching container one-to-one. So that means we would sit down on a call every week, and I would support and guide you with whatever is coming up and give you the tools, give you the mindset mindset shift that you need to really step into that higher self and to pretty much stop feeling like shit, basically. <laughs> um, so come over to my Instagram, and you can just shoot me a DM, and we'll set up a call. Mention Cup of Joy podcast, and you'll get $300 off your first month with me. Whoa! I did not, she didn't even tell me she was going to gift that. I just got to interject with a hell yeah. Give her that code and sign up today. Sign up today, baby. Let me help you. Yes. You need someone who's like fun, straightforward real like Heidi said then I'm your girl you guys she she not only is the real deal but she will have you in stitches you may be sobbing with a breakthrough and then she will have you sobbing with 
humor and happiness and joy, all the things. I'm, I'm obsessed with this human being, so get some of her in your life immediately. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> all right, so I have a couple of closing questions I always like to ask my guests, if you don't mind humoring me for a few minutes. Of course, by all means. All right, so I have two questions. The first one is, what do you love most about yourself? Oh my gosh, so many things now. Oh, good. Um, I would say as far as soft things, like not physicality, I would say the thing I love about myself is my sense of humor. Yes, for sure. Yeah, I can really I can really crack a joke. You really can. You know what I mean? You, you got a lot <laughs> you got a lot of good ones. <laughs> Thank you. It's like riding a dolphin on a whale, kids. <laughs> Don't ask. Don't ask. That humor is spot on always. You bring so much joy to my life. All right. So um, the last question is, how would you describe the feeling of joy? Oh, oh my gosh. Okay. It was so crazy because, a little side story for you. My husband and I were hanging out the other night. It was our date night and our internet went out. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Oh, no. Because our TV is through Chromecast, so if it's off Wi-Fi, it's off the internet, it's like no TV. So we were like, let's just like have a cozy cook night and play some games. So we got out Exploding Kittens, which is one of my favorite card games, and we're sitting there playing it, and I was like, oh my god. I feel like a little kid when we would go on vacation. Yes. Like, it was just that feeling of, and I was like, oh my god, I guess this is joy! <laughs> Ah! Like, I'm still learning what sensations feel like in my body because I I was so disconnected from them for so long. So to answer your question, what that felt like, it felt like my chest was just, like, expanding. Like, my whole body was expanding, honestly. Like, I just had infinite energy, and it was, like, warmth and spiral was going upwards in my body and not downwards. Ooh, yes. That makes sense. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. When we when we allow ourselves to feel our emotions, we heal our emotions and when we heal our emotions, we create space in our bodies so that we can feel those extreme moments of joy, happiness and bliss. It's so beautiful. So beautiful. Agreed. And that's a huge part of my story was I felt like I was a walking head, a floating head mm. for a lot of years. Was And what I didn't know was that I was not only numbing the sadness, the frustration, the anger, the grief, everything like that. I was also numbing the joy, the bliss, the contentment, the gratitude, everything on the other side of the spectrum, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was mind-blowing to realize that. Like, holy shit. (laughs) Yeah, if you guys want to get out of the headiness in the perfectionism world, in the people-pleasing, seriously, this girl knows what it's all about. Thank you so much for being on Cup of Joy, the podcast today. I love you so much. I love you so much, girl. Thanks for having me on. Anytime. All right, I will talk to you soon. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye.
Thanks so much for tuning in. If you love what you heard, please take a quick second to screenshot this episode and share it with someone that you know would love it. Connecting with you brings sunshine to my soul. So let's continue the conversation on Instagram at joyfullybe. Drop me a message, question, or share your own junk to joy story with me. Remember that joy is contagious. You can help me spread it by leaving a little buzz, aka a review, on Apple Podcasts. To learn more about Cup of Joy the Podcast and my soulful services, visit cupofjoythepodcast.com. Chat soon!